Thank you for subscribing to the Parkway Fellowship Podcast. Parkway Fellowship, commonly referred to as The Park, is a purpose-driven church in Katy, Texas, recognized for its innovation and rapid growth. Designed for the person who might not be used to attending church, The Park, one of the only purpose-driven churches in the area, has quickly become one of the most popular West Houston churches for people new to their faith, to church, or to living in the Katy area. It is our prayer that God changes your life through this message from Senior Pastor Mike McGowan. Good morning. My name is Mike McGowan, and I'm the pastor here at the park. And wow, Pastor Adam, I had no idea there was that kind of pressure on me today to, you know, really bring it. Good grief. So hope Robin's not disappointed by the end of the day. Uh, anyway, we're in week two of our series, Cornerstone. And uh, we learned last week that there, honestly, there's really only one cornerstone. And that one cornerstone is the person of Jesus Christ. And thankfully, there are some key verses in the Bible that keep us from having a misshapen or a distorted view of Jesus Christ. And those are the verses that we're going to be looking at during this series. And now last week, we looked at our first verse in this series, and that was Galatians 2.20. And it was a great message. God really did some great things. In fact, I want to know from those of you in this room who were here last week, how many of you this week Use Galatians 2.20 at least at some point in time during the week. How many of you have already used Galatians 2.20? Put your hand up. That's good. That's great. Hey, fantastic. Well, that's awesome. Good. Way to go. I'm very proud of you for doing that. Um, when I was a senior at Baylor University, home of the latest Heisman Trophy winner, by the way, Sick and Bears, that's right. Hey, I only get to brag like once every 40 years on that deal, so, you know, just bear with it. Um, anyway, when I was a senior, I took a class um, I took a class that year, and it was called Behavior in Troubled Teens. And I thought it'd be a great class to take because, you know, like, I knew I was going to the ministry. It might help me, like, deal with teenagers, that kind of thing. Um, anyway, I got in there, and after about two weeks, I realized this class was so boring. I mean, they were talking about peer pressure like it had just been discovered. I was like, you've got to be kidding me. It was horrible. I mean, honestly, I knew everything that they were teaching this class. I already knew it. So you know what I did? I quit going. I mean, I just, I just stopped going to this class. I mean, I mean, I would just like show up like every three weeks or so, you know, like just to check in, you know, just to, you know, make sure things are still going okay. But honestly, I didn't, I, I didn't take this class seriously because I knew everything that they were teaching. In fact, I had such a lackadaisical attitude toward this class that, you know, one of these times when I just like randomly showed up, um, the prof was passing out a test. Like, I didn't even know we were having a test, okay? And so I promptly failed, okay? Yeah, it was horrible. And so now I have to dig myself out of this huge hole. Now, let me pause right here. Um, my parents don't know this story, by the way. And so, Mom, Dad, if you're listening on the podcast, just remember how much I love you, okay? Um, so anyway, I studied really, really hard for the final, and I ended up making a C in the class, the only C I ever made when I was in college. And it all happened because I didn't take this class seriously because, like, I thought I knew everything. And, you know, unfortunately, a lot of times we take that same approach to Christianity. After someone has been a Christian for a while, after you've been a Christian for a while, you know, and you hear the pastor talk about something, you're like, You've heard that before. You're like, oh, you know, 
I mean, I already know all this. And it's at that point that you kind of begin to check out. And when you begin to check out because you think you know it all, and you've been there before and you've heard all this, that's when you're in real danger. Real danger of missing out on what it takes to really go deep in your relationship with Christ. Because what will happen is, is you will find yourself, when you, when you come up against some of the tests in life, you will find yourself incredibly unprepared. And it's, you know, when we get to these you know, key verses like this, that we realize how unprepared we are when we really dive deep in. So the verse we're going to look at today, I probably referenced this verse probably 30, maybe 40 times in past messages. But the danger is, is that we would overlook this verse because this is a cornerstone forming verse. One that many veteran Christians have heard before. But because we've heard it before and we're so familiar with it, we tend to just, you know, glaze right over and coast right on by. Now, in this verse we're going to look at today, let me give you some context. Jesus is talking to the 12 disciples, okay? And uh, <clears throat> he's talking to them about sheep and a shepherd. And oftentimes, like Jesus does, he just starts talking. Like, he doesn't tell them this is about to be important. He just starts talking, and he starts talking about sheep and a shepherd, and what a shepherd does, and what a shepherd doesn't do. And it's almost as if, while you're reading the whole story, you realize the, the disciples, it's almost like they want to interrupt, and they're like, uh, Jesus, are, 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 are we still talking about sheep here? Or is this like one of those times when you're really talking about us? Should we write this down? Well, I mean, evidently they did, and that's a good thing, okay? Evidently they did write it down. Um, and, and it's in the midst of this, this context of this story that Jesus is talking about that Jesus makes this most amazing statement. And it is this one verse, this cornerstone-forming verse that really shows us a big portion of what our relationship with God and Jesus ought to look like. The verse is John 10, 10. Go ahead and look at it with me if you would, please. The verse is John 10, 10. And as we read it, this is going to be our cornerstone forming verse for today. John 10, 10. So I want you to look at it. I want to read it. John 10, 10. It's just this. It says that Jesus is talking. He says, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Let's all read this verse out loud together, okay? Ready, go. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Man, that's an incredible, incredible verse. So, what does this verse mean for me? Go ahead and pull out your notes, and let's go ahead. Let me give you a fill-in here. The first fill of the morning is this. This is what the verse means for me. First is this. It means I need to take the devil seriously. It means I need to take the devil seriously. Look how the verse starts out, John 10.10. 10. It says, the thief comes only. I want you to circle the word thief. Now, Jesus is speaking here, and he's talking about the devil, and the devil is the thief. 
Now, I don't know about you, but if somebody asked me to describe the devil, I, I would have said, he's a deceiver. He's like pure evil. He's a tempter. He's got a red cape and a pitchfork, you know? I mean, I'm pretty sure I wouldn't have gone with thief, right? You know, a couple of um, staff members now, we were talking about this very thing this last week, and um, one of the things that we've noticed is that people that are new to their faith in Christ or who aren't growing in their faith with Christ, they think that the devil is not really in, that involved in life. I mean, they believe that he exists, okay? But they don't really believe that he's that involved. Like, they, he basically just tempts people to, you know, commit crimes or to commit adultery, you know, that kind of thing. But here's the thing about a thief. A good thief goes unseen. You never even know he's there. A good thief goes unnoticed. He is unknown and undetected. You know? And I think Jesus did not arbitrarily choose the word thief. Jesus uses the word thief because the devil oftentimes goes unseen and unnoticed until it's too late. I remember in high school, our family, one time we came home from, you know, going out to eat, and we realized that someone had tried to break into our house. The, front, the window to the front door had been smashed, and the thief had tried to reach in and unlock the deadbolt but you actually, in order to do the deadbolt in our house, you had to have a key even on the inside to unlock it. So he didn't get in. And so my brother and I were thought, whoo, that's awesome. Man, he didn't get in. We're safe. This is awesome. This is so cool. Now, my mom had a totally different perspective on the matter. I mean, we got an alarm system, we got motion detectors, we got sensors on the glass of the front door, we got sensors on the windows, I mean, we got stickers on the windows, we had a, front, a sign in the front yard that says, we have a security system. I mean, we upped our game in a big, big way, okay? I mean, it's true, it's true. You know, and I think so many of us, when we face temptation and we overcome it like once, maybe twice, we think, man, this is awesome, I'm good, I'm safe we're just not taking the devil seriously we need to act a lot more like my mom did and we need to up our game let me ask you this if you knew that your house was being robbed right now if you knew your house was being robbed right this minute what would you do Man, you'd get up, you'd walk right out of this worship service on your way to the car. You'd call the popo, and you'd be like, man, meet me at my house right now. And you'd speed, and you'd race home, and you'd be thinking about, what am I going to do if I get there before the cops do? I mean, you would, you would do something about it, right? And you'd do something about it right then. I'm telling you, many of us in this room, many of you right now are being robbed by the thief, and you sit here like nothing's really happening. Like, it's like no big deal. Just not taking it seriously. Your sons, your sons are being robbed of their innocence because they are being tempted to look at things on the internet. And you have done nothing 
to talk to them about how to handle sex, much less how to handle the hormone hurricane. And incidentally, you've also done nothing to guard your computer against going to pornographic websites. Your daughters are being robbed by the thief by, because they are being tempted to become sexually active before marriage. And not only have you done nothing to counterman what society says, because society says that that's the way that they're going to really feel loved. You've done nothing to counterman that, but incidentally, you've also taken them to go shopping to buy shorts that are cut up to here and tops so tight it leaves nothing to guess. You are being robbed of your financial freedom because you've been tempted to you know, buy the latest this or to upgrade that. All the while, not coming close to giving God 10% of your income like he's asked us and commanded us to in the Bible. Because you have gone so deep into debt by running up your credit cards that you think, I just can't even afford to obey God. You are being robbed of your spiritual vitality by being tempted by the thief to like disengage from church and small group, and not to go, because, like, well, I mean, it's summer, I mean, you know, come on, I mean, or it's later, we want to sleep in, I mean, I'm on vacation, I mean, I just have the right to check out every now and then, right? I'm telling you, we just don't take this stuff serious enough, because, look, the devil has been deceiving people for thousands of years. He is smarter than anyone you have ever met. He is more experienced than anyone you've ever known. And he is more evil than the most twisted serial killer you have ever heard of. But we just don't take him seriously enough. So here's what I'm saying to you. When you take a next step, take it. When you can identify a sin in your life, stop it. If there's something that you know that God is asking you to do, do it, okay? If you see a danger in an area of your life, in your kid's life, don't put it off, cut it off. And the reason I say you all of that, the reason you have to take this stuff so seriously is because of point number two. And here it is. I need to remember that the devil only has one agenda. The devil only has one agenda, Look at John 10, 10 again. It says, the thief comes only, circle the word only, to steal and kill and destroy. I want you to underline, steal and kill and destroy. Remember, Jesus is talking about sheep here, okay? That's what he's talking about. So a thief would definitely want to come and he would want to steal a sheep and he would kill it if he had to. But for this thief, Killing the sheep is not enough. It is as if he has this inner hatred of the sheep that is so strong. He doesn't just want to kill it so he can go eat it. He wants to destroy it. And he doesn't want to destroy that sheep. He'd want to destroy any other sheep in the flock that he can get his hands on. That's what it says. And look at the word I had you circle. It says, the thief comes only the only thing he comes to do is to steal and kill and destroy that's it 
He doesn't come to tempt. He doesn't come to make you doubt. He doesn't come to cause problems. He doesn't come to make your life difficult. He comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that's it. Nothing short of that. That is his one agenda. And just like a thief would want to steal a sheep away from the flock, so the devil would want to steal you away from the flock of the church. The devil would give you any excuse that you would ever listen to about not going to church. He would make you think, oh, you know, nobody at that church even cares about me. Oh, that church is so big, I'm just a number. Nobody even notices. Nobody even knows me. I don't have any friends at that church. You know, or something happens that upsets you, or I say something that offends you, or you go by a lake house and you feel obligated that you've got to, you know, be away every single weekend. Whatever it takes to get you out of, or away from the flock, the devil will try to steal you away, I promise, because that is his only agenda. And it goes on to say that the devil also, or the thief also wants to kill you. And honestly, I think that that's literal. I think if the devil can kill you, he will. He will kill you. He will try to get you to drink yourself to death smoke yourself to death, eat so unhealthily that you develop heart disease. He will get you to, he will tempt you to drive too fast. He'll tempt you to text while you're driving, get in an accident, perhaps die. He would tempt you and your children to get mixed up with the wrong people, to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Something tragic happens. And if he can't kill you, he will do his level head best to destroy you. He will try to destroy your marriage, he will do everything he can to destroy your relationship with your children or your teenagers and alienate you from them and them from you. He will just try to destroy your career if he can by getting you to make small little compromises along the way that seem really like no big deal because everybody's doing it, but it ends up being your undoing. I'm telling you, friends, the devil has only one agenda, one. And Jesus tells us what it is. It says, the thief comes only only to steal and kill and destroy. That's it. No compromise. Nothing short of that. He's got just that one agenda. But I need you to understand number three because this is the cornerstone forming part of this verse. Number three. It means that I need to deepen my relationship with Christ. I need to deepen my relationship with Christ. Look at John 10, 10 again. Let's all read the whole thing out loud together. Ready? Go. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. See, Jesus has the exact opposite end of the devil. While the devil wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, Jesus wants to give you life. And I do think that that part of that means that he wants to give you eternal life. And so if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life, to forgive you of everything you've ever done, and pledged your life to following him, then you do not have eternal life. That means that you will not go to heaven when you die. The only way to do that is to ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you, and pledge your life to following him. Have you ever done that? If you have never done that before, at the bottom of your message notes, at the very bottom, there's a sample prayer for how to become a Christ follower. I'm telling you, pray that prayer right now. Pray that prayer right where you sit this morning. 
See, that's the first step to finding life in Christ. But while that's the first step, it's not the last step. Because not only do I think that Jesus is talking about eternal life, I think that Jesus is talking about having, a, having life to the full while you and I are alive here on earth right now. Now look, that doesn't mean there's not going to be any bumps in the road. I mean, I wish it did. But that's not what it means. In fact, having a bump-free road doesn't really bring happiness. Some of the greatest joys in life come from going through difficulties, not from avoiding them. So if that's true, then what in the world is Jesus talking about here? Well, let me give you your next fill-in. The word full that he uses here, it means this. It means abundant, profuse, going beyond what is necessary. Basically, Jesus is telling you and he's telling me that the reason he came was so that you could enjoy life to the full. That our lives would be so good, so rich, so great, that we would say that our lives are abundantly good profusely good that my life is is good beyond what is necessary and again i'm not saying that there's not going to be some intervals of difficulty there always are but on the whole that you would be able to say my life is better than what i deserve that's what he's getting at here look and this doesn't have anything to do with the size of your house or how new your car is I know plenty of people. They've got like really big houses. They've got multiple new cars. That doesn't make them. They're not happy. And yeah, I know people who live in a really small house and only have one car. And they wouldn't trade any of it for anything. Okay? So if it's not dependent on my circumstances, I need to tell you this. That the people that I know in life that are the happiest in life are the ones who have a deep, deep, deep relationship with Jesus Christ. They, get this, they have been focusing on having a relationship with the cornerstone. Not just for a season, but for many seasons. These people read their Bible regularly. And they conform their lives to everything that is written in it. They pray, they serve, they give of their time and of their possessions. I mean, these are people, these are people that I would describe as not living any longer for themselves. They are living for Christ. So let me ask you a simple question. Would you honestly describe your life as full, abundant, profusely good, better than what you deserve. Would you honestly describe your life like that? If you would not describe your life like that, if that is not what you would say is absolutely true of you, then do you know what you need to do? Not change your external circumstances. You need to deepen your relationship with Christ. Because that's what this verse is getting at here, okay? The reason that your life is not going like you want is because you have not given your life to Christ or you have not given part of your life over to Christ. There's still part of it that you're holding back, that you want to remain in control of. There's part of your life that you just simply haven't given over to him. I'm telling you, that will never make you happy. Jesus says here, 
He says that he is the source of everything good in our lives. And he can make our lives full, profusely, abundantly great beyond what is necessary. So what do you need to do to have a walk with, a deep walk with Christ? Everybody I know that has a deep walk with Christ, they, they are committed to spending, to investing some time alone with God every day. And what do you do? When you invest time alone with God, this is your feeling. When you invest time alone with God, you need to do three things. You worship, you pray, you read the Bible. Three things. You worship, you pray, you read the Bible. And see, once you realize that there's a thief on the prowl, on the prowl this is how you up your game. This is how you alarm your house. This is how you put a sign in the yard. If you will start trying to do each of these three elements and not give up, I promise you, God himself will guide you in making each of those three things more meaningful. Because look, you need to remember this. God desires to have a relationship with you. And so if you will put forth the effort, he will meet you more than halfway. I remember, look, this is not all up to you. He is already working on his end to have a relationship with you. But it is a relationship, and you have to pursue it. There are some things that you have to do. You have to deepen it. And when you take John 10.10 seriously, just like Jesus is taking it seriously, and, and, and every way we've talked about today, then this verse becomes a cornerstone-forming verse and help shape our relationship with Christ. Does that make sense? So here's what I want you to do. I want you to pull out your connection card. I want you to hold it right next to your message notes. I'm going to turn it over on the back. Hold it right next to your message notes. And I want you to check on your notes and on the card the next step or steps that you're going to take today. Because of what you feel like God has inspired you to do. So do both. Take both plates. Do both. Okay? Here's the first one. I will memorize John 10, 10. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Would you memorize that verse? I'm telling you, that is an incredible verse. Number two, I will begin to take the activity of the devil seriously. Would you take that next step? Because maybe you haven't really been taking it seriously. Kind of like I didn't take that class seriously. But I'm telling you, you need to. Number three, because the devil wants to steal me away from the flock, I make a firm commitment to be at church and small group. Let me ask you this quick question. How easily are you talked out of not going to church? How easily are you talked out of not going to small group? Seriously, what, what little has to happen to prevent you from going? I'm telling you, the devil wants to steal you away from that. Would you be willing to make a firm commitment, a firm commitment that you're going to be here and be at small group. Would you make that? This next one. Because the devil wants to kill and destroy me, I commit to change some destructive behaviors in my lifestyle and in my family. Now, I don't know what that is. You do. Would you commit to make that next step? This next one. I will deepen my relationship with Christ by fiercely committing to invest time alone with him daily. That is huge. If you took that one next step, that was the only next step you took for a, in a year, I'm telling you, you really did it. 
your life would be radically different. Or this last one. I want to become a Christ follower for the first time in my life. If you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and you've prayed that prayer this morning or you're going to pray it literally right now in moments, then would you check this next step because I want to send you some free stuff in the mail that will help you get started. I also want you to pick up a new believer packet. They're in a basket on a little table just before you walk outside each of these doors. Grab one of those on your way out today. Let me pray for you as Pat and the worship team come back up. Father, I thank you. Lord, I thank you that the disciples themselves realized how vital and critical this one saying of Jesus is, and so they wrote it down for us. I thank you also, Father, for how it's guided me over these last years. Lord, I pray for the people in this room that have always yearned for more out of life and always knew somehow that you were connected, how to do it, but really weren't ever sure how or why or how to go about attaining it. And so, Lord, I ask that you would firsthand show them how transforming this verse really is and that you would get, help them to have a taste of what that full, abundant, profusely good, beyond what is necessary, life is in Christ. And you would help us all to walk deeper and closer with you until one day we step out of this life and into your arms and see you face to face. I love you. Thank you for everything this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. Our prayer is that God has given you at least one next step to take today in your walk with Christ. For more information about Parkway Fellowship or to contact us, visit www.parkwayfellowship.com. To talk with a pastor about becoming a Christ follower for the first time, you can call our offices at 832-222-9282. 